So we're so glad you're here with us today. Open your Bibles, if you have them, to Isaiah chapter 55. This is the second part of a uh, three-part series we've been doing called Knowing the Story, getting us prepped for the story that we're going to be doing here over the course of this year. Last week, we talked about the sustaining nature of the Word of God. Those who listen diligently and incline their ear towards the Word of God know, not only find out the plans of God, but truly are able to take in sustenance. It's, it's bread for life. It's the thing that drives them. Today, though, we want to talk about the power in the Word of God. Words carry some level of power. A lot of power or a little power, it just depends. When I look at my kids and say it's bedtime, depending on the night, that, those words could carry a lot of power or very little power. It just depends on the evening. When, when a substitute teacher says, I'm going to give you detention if you don't settle down, for all substitute teachers everywhere, I apologize on behalf of kids like me. Uh, when a substitute teacher says, I'm going to give you detention, that may or may not carry a lot of power and probably very little, right? Right? When, when a commanding officer yells, charge, you know, their hope is, is that everybody will charge with them. Words may or may not carry power. But there's also something behind the words that we speak. There's the words that we speak to get a desired action, but that desired action is the intention. So, for instance, when I look at my kids and say, it's time to go to bed, what that really means is, I want to be a good parent, I need you to get in bed at an hour so you're not cranky tomorrow, and I would love to have an hour to myself. That's, what, that's, what, that's the intent behind the words. When, when a substitute teacher says, you better shape up right now or I'm going to give you detention, what, what's really behind those words? Well, I, ne I need to have some, some, uh, some stability in this classroom. I need people to mind, right? When a commanding officer yells, charge! What's he, what's he yelling that for? Well, his, his goal is to go and defeat the enemy and, and, and win the battle. So there's an intention behind the words. But when we think about the intention behind our words, we often realize how powerless we really are. There are so many words that we speak that fall to the ground. <laughs> so many words that we say that nobody listens to. So many things that we share with people that do not have their desired effect. Not so with God. We're going to find out in the second half of Isaiah chapter 55 that God's words don't fall to the ground. That what God speaks will have its desired intention. And if we want to partner with God in what he's doing in the world, we need to know the words that God has spoken so that we can be a part of his words having power on this earth. Part of knowing the story is so that God receives the desired intention for his words. We're going to be reading verse 8 and following today, finishing out Isaiah chapter 55, and I'll try to bridge the gap for those of you who weren't here last week. But let's read Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 and following, and this is going to be out of the English Standard Version. God saying through the prophet Isaiah, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. And the mountains and hills before you shall break forth into singing. 
and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Beautiful picture, beautiful word imagery that, that the Lord gives us in Isaiah chapter 55. But we start with that familiar refrain, my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways. Now, we have to back up for just a minute because that is not a verse in isolation. Uh, they would teach me in Bible school, if I were to just start in verse 8, that I would be remiss. There is a verse 7, and it brings us the, the linking idea, the linking concept that we need to look out here. The linking concept of verse 7. So back up. Just one verse in your Bibles. Let's look at verse 7. It says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. So God's talking about people who, as we talked about last week, are listening diligently to his words, are inclining their ear, really desire to hear what God is doing in the world. And what that's going to happen is it's going to cause people to forsake their ways. It's going to cause people to uh, think, oh boy, I, I haven't been thinking or doing the right things, and I'm going to now return to the Lord. But that return is not what you might think it is. In fact, we have this picture, especially in our American Christianity sometimes, of sinners in the hand of this angry God, who, who if we listen to his words and if we begin to incline our ear to him, if we listen diligently to him, he's going to smack us around a little bit. But that's not the picture we get here. In fact, we find out that God's ways and his thoughts start with compassion and pardon. That's what verse 7 says. God's ways and his thoughts starts with a nice God, one who wants to have compassion upon us even though we've erred, and one who wants to have pardon towards us even though we've erred. That's what's going on here. But not only that, we have to recognize that Isaiah chapter 55 is not just a chapter that, that stands alone. In fact, just two chapters earlier, we read perhaps the most famous of all of the chapters in Isaiah, the suffering servant. For he was bruised for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the chastisement that was ours was upon him. That we read those, those words and we recognize that someone has stood in our place to bring us to this point where God is compassionate and gracious towards us, where God can pardon us. And we never want to forget, even back in Isaiah chapter 53, 54, and 55, that, that we're looking forward to the work of Christ Jesus in our lives. We're looking forward to what Jesus is going to do on behalf of humanity. Jesus has done something that has brought us to the place where when we come to God and we say, God, my thoughts, not so good. My ways, not so great. God doesn't look at us and say, well, in, in that case, you're condemned. Instead, God looks at us and says, in that case, I'll have compassion on you and pardon you. So th this entire run of Scripture is some of the most beautiful Scripture in all of the Bible. In fact, if, if you have an interest in God just touching your heart, re read Isaiah chapter 40 all the way through 66. You'll find that God is showing us who he's going to be in Christ Jesus. So I just want us to start there. Because it, it's so easy, especially for those of you who are not yet Christians or, or you're just becoming Christians, to think, God's angry with me all the time. Well, when we think about his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts, uh, yeah, humans can be angry a lot of the time. Humans can want to hold things against one another. Those are human ways to be. 
But God's ways are full of compassion, and God's ways are to pardon us. Isn't that a nice thought? So now let's think about God's ways uh, being higher than our ways, God's thoughts being higher than our, our thoughts. That's an important thing for us to think about when we want to think about knowing the Word of God. We, we do want to go from our flawed and faulty way of thinking to God's flawless way of thinking. We want to go from, from what's going on in our lives that just isn't quite right into what God is thinking, what God is valuing, what God is perceiving. We should be the first ones to admit that our perceptions are messed up, that, that our values have, 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 have a ways to go, that our attitudes may need to be better. Uh, we, we should be the first ones to recognize that the ways that we think and the ways that we process probably aren't so good. We can have perceptions that are wrong all the time. I mean, I bet this week you thought somebody was mad at you, but maybe they weren't. I, I, bet, I bet this week you thought somebody was disappointed in you, but maybe they weren't. I, I bet you this week you thought something about a situation that was off base. Why? Because you don't see the bigger picture. You're not in the mind of the person who you're interacting with. You can have perceptions that aren't quite correct a lot of the time. You can have worries and fears and anxieties that never come to bear. You can have things going on in your mind that just aren't correct. And what that does is it, it causes you to operate in the world in a way that doesn't make any sense. It causes you to have fear. It causes you to have worry. It causes you to have anxiety. It causes you to think about yourself. It causes selfishness because you don't have the big picture. That's why God says, my thoughts are so much higher than your thoughts. Think about God looking over our lives and really seeing everything that's going on really seeing every interaction that's taken place in this room today, understanding all of the thoughts and intentions of the human heart just in this room. Think about that. Think about all the, all the, all the interactions that have taken place since people have, have walked into the building. Uh, uh, oh, they must be angry at me. They scowled. Oh, I, I don't know about that. They, they, they didn't even pay attention to me. I don't like that they're paying attention to me. Anything that could be going on, in this place, any, any perception that could be off, God can see that. We can't. We can't. We don't have perfect perception. We don't see the world the way it really is. But God does. And because the way we don't see the world the way it really is, we don't value what God values often. We value things that, that, that God places very little value on. And then we neglect the things that God places a high level of value on. Once again, God's looking from 10,000 feet. God's able to see the, the ways of humanity and go, yes, this is good for you. That is not so good for you. Do it this way. No, don't do it that way. Value what I value. No, valuing that is not going to get you anywhere. I made the mistake last Christmas of getting my kids tablets. Worst decision I've made as a human being. Pretty convinced of it. Because my kids value staring at those screens like none other. And to get them away from staring at that, those tablets, to playing Disney World Magic Kingdom or, or watching Paw Patrol is, is the most vicious part of my day. Because I need them to put their shoes on or brush their teeth or just be contributing members of society. <laughs> they're placing such a high level of value at just staring at something where there's so much else we can do. 
and, and, and I try to be a good dad. I'll look at my kids and be like, hey, you want to play a game? No, I'm good. I'm like, what are you talking about? You can have human interaction right now. You can have a dad who cares and wants to talk to you. And you are busy trying to achieve Goofy on Magic Kingdom. This doesn't make any sense. Now, it's easy for me to pick on my kids. How about you? What you staring at? What you wasting your time with? What are you valuing that, 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 that really is very low on the value system of a God who can see humanity from 10,000 feet, but you're going, well, this is the center of my life right now. It's just, we're off. And, and, and part of coming to God is just recognizing that. We're off. We don't see the world from 10,000 feet. Sure, in our pride, we like to think we do. Well, I'm an old person now. I've seen it all. No, you haven't. You haven't seen it all. Boy, that's just, a, and, oh, that's a horrible thing. Well, I've achieved some of these things in my life. I know what I'm doing. No, you don't. We don't know what we're doing. We're, we're, we're working out our faith in fear and trembling. But what if? What if our thoughts could align with the one who sees it all? What, what if our values could align with the, ones who, uh, the one who placed us here on earth? What if our attitudes could reflect his attitude? What might happen in us and through us? And, and, and that's why ways and thoughts are separated here. Because if we get our thoughts right, then we get our ways right. Because God's ways are perfect, and the way he wants us to achieve things and do things are perfect. And if we can value what he values and perceive as he perceives and have the attitude that he has towards other humans and the attitude that he expects of us towards him, all of a sudden our ways change. And all of a sudden, the compassion and the pardon that we encountered with God is then balanced with the great new beginning that we have in God, the great new way of life. Or as Jesus calls it in John chapter 3, being born again. Our, our values and our perceptions and our attitudes change because of, of what God has done in our life. We begin to listen diligently to his word. We incline our ear as we talked about last week. And all of a sudden we have the right perception, the right values, the right attitudes, the right ways. What could happen in and through us if we started thinking like he thinks and acting like he acts? It's attainable for us. It's, it, it's there. His word has been spoken. And that's what he says next. God is trying to grow something in us. God is a grower. Look at what he says here in the next verse. Verse 10, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and don't return there but water the earth, making it spring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall be my word that goes out from my mouth. It's not going to return to me empty but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God has sent his word into this world for you and for me. And he sent it to accomplish something in us and through us. And if we get in line with that word, if we begin to be saturated in that word, all of a sudden God's intention in that word comes to bear. Now, this is an agricultural uh, analogy here. He's using something that would have made great sense to the people of, of, of ancient Israel. They needed the rain or they wouldn't have crops. They needed the snow to melt from the mountaintops to come down to irrigate their land. They needed God to send rain. They needed God to send snow. Now, you might be thinking, I don't need God to send any rain or any snow for the next three months, and I'm with you. I don't need any of that in my life right now. 
The ground for me is saturated enough. But in the ancient Near East, you wanted God to send that rain. You wanted God to send that snow because you knew that everything in your life was dependent upon it. And in the same way, God's telling them something. He's saying, I make it rain and I make it snow so that the ground can be filled with water so that something can grow for you. In the same way, I rain down my word and I allow that snow to melt and irrigate into your lives so that the seed that I have planted in you at salvation begins to grow and you begin to become the person that I have created you to be because I have great purposes, great intentions, great plans for your life, but it's dependent upon you staying wet, staying saturated. Any, I, I, I mentioned last year about my basil plant. I don't know if any of you remember. I love basil. And the next thing you know, because this is what you people do, God bless you, I ended up with people bringing me basil. Remember last year, I'm like, don't bring me a bread maker. I ended up having people bring me, it was wonderful. I, I planted the basil, I let it go all summer long, but every so often I'd look out and I'd think, eh, it hasn't rained in a week. I better go out and water that, because it began to get all shriveled. And I'd go out, I'd water my basil, and the next thing you know, I got caprese salad pesto for days. But anyhow, we, we have to remember something. You can plant something, you can even begin to grow something, but if you don't keep it watered, it withers. God has planted something in us when we came to him through salvation. He did something in and through Jesus. We see it here in Isaiah chapter 55. If you missed last week's message, go ahead and listen to it. You'll see how this is prophecy about Jesus. But Jesus has brought us salvation. He's made it possible for us to be born again. God has planted a seed in our spirit that he would do something meaningful and impactful through our lives. But we got to stay watered. We have to stay fed. We have to stay nurtured. God's word has to get into us and onto us and, and flow through us for that to be the case. Water was necessary for life, and water is necessary for this Christian life, and it makes me go back to why we come to church in the first place, why we're here. We're here because Christ has done something in our life, and we found purpose and meaning in our relationship to God. And that purpose and that meaning that we found in Christ Jesus, it then germinates, it then, it then begins to grow into this concept of I'm partnering with God in this world. I'm, I'm, I'm achieving something for eternity in this time that I spend on earth. I'm, I'm doing what God has placed me on this earth to do. I'm, I'm not just going to live a futile life and, and then die and, and, and it's over. No, I'm going to do things that matter for eternity and then I'm going to be with God for eternity celebrating the work that we've done. That's why we're here. That, that's, that's the essence of, of, of why we, we do life groups and, and listen to preaching and, and have days of prayer and, and read our Bibles. We want God to do something in and through our lives. And, and, and God, through Isaiah chapter 55, is trying to tell us this morning, you are going not going to, 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 to be withered. You're not going to be able to accomplish what God has for you in this life unless you're saturated with his word unless you're listening diligently and your ear is inclined to him. Because his ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And you're going to fall back in default mode and you're going to get sun scorched without the word of the Lord in your life. And for some of us, the way that we water is so sporadic. Our irrigation system's quite leaky. We don't get water 
down into the soil where we can grow. We, we somehow think through Christian osmosis, God's going to change our ways and thoughts. Well, if I just hang with other Christians, I'll pick it all up. If I, if I just hang out around church long enough, I'm sure if Pastor Matt could just preach the right sermon every week specifically for me, I will become the Christian that God desires me to be. Well, I hope I preach a message that's good for you every week, but God's word is accessible to you now. God's word is available to you. And by reading it, all of a sudden, your thoughts begin to change. Your perceptions begin to change. Your values begin to change. Your attitudes begin to change. And when they change, so will your ways. And when you begin to become aligned with what God is doing in this world, you're going to thirst for more. You're going to want more of his word to come into your life. We're, we're sitting there with, 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 with the, the seed and the plant and the growth of our life right before us, and we've got the hose, and all we've got to do is turn on the spigot. But so often we neglect to do so. All the conditions are right for us to have our thoughts and our ways change, but so often we neglect it. And the question is, why? Why? Why do we neglect the word of God? Why do we, why do we sort of just leave it to the side of our life or, or pick it up so sporadically, just when we're super dry? When God has a great purpose to achieve through us, or God has a great plan for each and every one of our lives, if we would only receive the water that he wants for us. Because he does have a purpose. He does have a plan. It's not just for you, but it's for all of us. And he's going to show us that plan as we close today in verse 12. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. And the mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing. And the trees of the field shall clap their hands. And instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. And instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that will not be cut off. Now that's some beautiful imagery, but that's pretty confusing. I do not remember the last time I walked by the Appalachian Mountains and someone began to sing. And I don't remember walking out and having any trees clap their hands for me when I came to church this morning. What is God talking about? God's talking about the people of his word going out into the world in joy and in peace in such a way that creation itself goes, wow, God is doing what God set out to do. He's redeeming humanity. He's bringing them into the fold. He's taking them from their sinful, fallen, and broken state, and he's creating in them who he promised he would create in them, ones who are righteous before him, doing his will, who, who, who are in a love relationship with him. You know, the Apostle Paul echoes these same words in Romans chapter 8 and 19. He says, the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. This beautiful picture is that, that word bearers, people who have inclined their ear, people who have listened diligently to the word of the Lord, people who have received the gift of salvation, 
through that descendant of David, Christ Jesus, those who have been saturated by the word of God go out into a world that is devoid of joy, that is devoid of peace, that is broken and fallen, and all of a sudden transformation happens. All of a sudden, that which was thorn and thistle becomes something altogether different. That which was briar becomes something that can stand and last and be beautiful. That which served no purpose all of a sudden have purpose. That which only tore and hurt and maimed all of a sudden is full of life and vitality and beauty. That's what happens when the people of God become word bearers. Transformation takes place on this earth. That's the purpose for which God is instilling his word into you and to me, that we would go out into this world and transform this world, that we would go out into this world and make a difference for him, that we would go out into this world and see salvation take place, so much so the creation itself is going, yes, this is what it's all about. Peoples whose values and perceptions and attitudes and ways, they don't match the people who were washed away in the flood. They don't match the people who, who were building the Tower of Babel. They don't match the, the pagan world that is, that is just dying and dissipation and debauchery. It doesn't match that at all. All of a sudden, there are people living according to the true and living purpose of God our Father and creation is going to burst forth into song. There is excitement that the people of God are bearing God's word into the world to accomplish the purpose for which he sent it. That's what this is all about. We don't study the word of God or begin to know the word of God so we can become a Bible scholar. We, we don't study the word of God so that we can go, yes, I know exactly what it says in Lamentations. We, we don't study the word of God so that we can be so excited that we can recite a genealogy. We study the word of God because the word of God is sustenance for us as we talked about last week, but when it waters us and when it saturates us and when it gets down into us, when we go forth there is joy and there is peace and there is a world being transformed because we are bearing the word that God put in us. That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. I don't want to, trans to try to transform the world with my attitude, with my perception, with my values. They're low, they're flawed, they're broken. Not so his. His thoughts are higher. His ways are higher. His ways are, are 10,000, 50,000 different dimension feet. God's ways are perfect. And he has a redeeming and transforming work to do in and through us. That's why we must know his story. That's why we must know his word. Because it's going to have a transformative effect in the world. It just so happens that the disciple whom Jesus loved, the one that wrote the Gospel of John, nicknamed Jesus something. You know what he nicknamed Jesus? The word the people who had known Christ Jesus and who had had their thoughts and their values and their perceptions aligned with God would transform the world through him. And I love what it says towards the end of verse 13. And God's going to make a name for himself. God's going to make a name for himself through those word bearers. I want God to make a name for himself through us. 
what greater mission could we have in this life than God making a name for himself through us? For transformation to take place in the lives of people that we touch every day because we know and bear his world, word and our thoughts and ways are his thoughts and ways. The Bible says if that's the case, God's word will serve its purpose. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father God, we do not study a dead and lifeless book. In fact, your word says that it is living and active. It has power. It can be transformative in the lives of those who incline their ear and listen diligently to it. Lord, last week we talked about your word, then knowing your word being bread for us, being sustenance, helping us through the hard and dark times of our lives and giving us a hope and a future. But this week, Lord, we've seen the full purpose of that word, not only transforming us, but transforming the world, world where we walk. God, I pray that we would be a people who dive into your story not to pound our chests and call ourselves great Christians, not to convince ourselves that we're brilliant, not, 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 even, not even to merely get by in life. May we commit to studying your word and knowing your ways. Because we want to go forth in joy. We want to walk in peace. And we want to partner with you in transforming this world. Let that be our call. Let that be our cry. For just a few moments in this place, we're going to make our sanctuary a house of prayer. We do this every week here at VLC. It's the most important time in our service because you've heard words that I've spoken and you've sang words unto the Lord. But we take a few minutes each Sunday just to say, Lord, what are you speaking to me personally? What do you want me to do with what I've heard today? So folks on our prayer team are going to come up to the front of this platform and if you need prayer for any reason today, anything going on in your life where you could really benefit by someone praying over and for you, this place is open, and our elders and prayer team would love to pray with you. But I would have you just in the next few minutes, whether you come to this altar and pray or whether you remain in your seat, to ask the Lord some questions. Lord, where do I stand in regard to your word? 
What's been my attitude toward it? God, where do you want me to stand in regard to your word? And then, Lord, what would you like me to commit to? For just a few minutes, let us pray. And as I mentioned, for any need you have, anyone you want to lift before the Lord, or whether it be something going on in your life, our prayer team is available to you. Let's pray.